Back in here, final hour of Morning Drive here on this Wednesday edition, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Maze Marquise with you. Big finish coming up at 9.45. Uh, we'll get back to the return and the debut of one individual coming up in about 15 minutes here on the show. Uh, but I was thinking about this yesterday because uh, the, the Baker Mayfield story with Richard Sherman has been something that's been discussed a lot lately. Such a lie. And it Come looks on. like Sherman was kind of embellishing. No, he flat out lied. Flat, yeah, he was full of it. Uh, looks like Baker Mayfield does, in fact, shake hands with him. But continuing this Taylor Lewan discussion, because we discussed yesterday the, the Shaq Lawson conversation, the back and forth on Twitter, uh, the other player that had three sacks for the Bills. I'm drawing a blank on the name. Jordan Phillips was sending out cuts of yep. Taylor Lewan getting beaten, which is about as good a social media troll as it gets in the modern NFL. And now Micah Hyde also with some comments about Taylor Lewan, and you can give those in just a second, but I'm wondering, like, now Taylor is more accomplished mm-hmm. than Baker Mayfield is at his position, his craft. He's been in the league, you know, longer. But is Taylor Lewan or Baker Mayfield a talented guy that most people around the league maybe don't like? I think the consensus is that what Shaq Lawson said the other day, what be it right or wrong, I don't know, but guys... Fake, fake tough guys, yeah, what call guys them. don't usually just say that just because... These are things that, you know, when you when you talk to your peers, they mention. They mention and they talk about the offensive linemen that they play against and they, you know, yeah, that's a good player, that's a good player, that guy can't play, he's overpaid, yada yada yada. And it seems like, you know, the consensus is is that Taylor's this, you know, front runner or this tough, you know, this fake tough guy. I don't know. I mean, He's a good player. That's, he's a good football player. I, yeah. I just think he's a good player. He's 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 athletic, um, you know. But I'm not. I don't go against him. You know. Right. I don't. They see it a little bit different. So Shaq Lawson says fake tough guy in a post game interview in the locker room. Then Lawan goes after him on social media, and then Jordan Phillips, the guy who had three sacks, defensive lineman for the Bills, who is not a world beater. You mentioned mm-hmm. this, Nick. They were not a great. They had not gotten a lot of sacks on the quarterback up until that time. They're a good defense. But that's not something they were doing well. They get pressure. He starts cutting clips of Lawan getting beat, posting on social media. Then you've got Quentin Spain, mm-hmm. who's talking about how we could go off of Josh Allen's voice nine out of ten plays because we know that crowd's not going to be loud. So he's taking shots at the Titans stadium and the Titans fans. Then Micah Hyde yesterday on w- or Monday, maybe, on WGR 550, I believe, in Buffalo, said on- about Taylor Lawan, quote, I'm not sure what his deal is. Every time I play him, you have to be ready for him to do something stupid. We definitely feel like we got the better of him yesterday. That didn't feel like he was going out of his way to be inflammatory, mm-hmm. but like he just sort of sounded like he was calling it like it is matter-of-factly. We just banked on him doing something stupid, and we got the better of him yesterday. Now, Lawan didn't do anything like where he lost control. Like mm-hmm. He didn't have one of his 15-yard penalties. Even the p- penalty on the ver- first play that called back the big gain was sort of a questionable call. Probably shouldn't have been called on him. That was kind of a cheap cheap penalty, I think. Um, so he didn't do anything, quote, stupid in the game. But that is what my- – and Micah Hyde's played all over the NFL. Pretty good player. Good player. He He's – I mean, it, it's not just one guy. It's all these guys that sort of are echoing the sentiment. And but that's, is, that's, isn't there a difference, though? Like, in, in this league, you think, oh, everybody talks trash and it's all good and it's part of the game. You know, Baker Mayfield is getting sacked, and guys like Nick Bosa are whispering in his ear, getting in his head. Guys like Andrew Luck get sacked, praise the guy that just squashed him on the field, and that gains the utmost respect amongst his peers. 
Taylor Lewan, you know, has his persona, and it doesn't seem like he's respected around the league like some other tackles. Because what happens is when you, when you, because a lot of the stuff you bring upon yourself, you know, if 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 Andrew Luck was this yapper and 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 always talked and everything else, then people would after they sack him, they would get on him. But it's not that way. I mean, Andrew Luck is a guy. Hey, if you sack me, good good play, man. Good, nice hit. You know. That, congratulations for hitting me that hard. I know, wow. You know, I'm shaking your hand. He's like um, the opposite. <laughs> exactly. So he he respects the other guys on the other side in the job that they do. In the other two cases, I don't think the players on the other side think that they respect them. Like, I don't think that opposing defenses think Baker Mayfield respects them. You know, he doesn't have – he doesn't – you know, he's this young guy that's coming in and he shows no respect for for no one outside of his team. And people take offense to that. So when they get a shot, when they get a chance to hit you, they're going to hit you hard. and They're going to make sure you know that I hit you hard. Yeah. Taylor Lewan's the same way. I don't think the guys that go up against him feel like Taylor respects them as players. Um, they look at his antics. They look at everything and they say, you know what, any chance I get to go at this guy, I am. And then he just adds fuel to the fire when, you know, you lose to a team and a guy beats you like a drum a few times and he says something to you about, he says something about you after the game, you know, then you go back at him at tw- through Twitter. It's like, dude, seriously, you should have just left it alone. Like, I'm moving on to the, I'm moving on to the Denver Broncos. I have no time. Shaq Lawson said what he, what he's, yeah, they got the better of me. Fine, Danny, but I'm moving on because if he if he never responds to what they said, it's a no story. Nobody cares. But but he made it about himself and he responded and ended up being bigger than what it actually should have been because they told the truth, dude. You got beat. Yeah, I mean it's it's everybody gets beat, even the best ones. But yep. they move on. And, and I thought again, I want to reiterate the comments from Lawan post game were still the right things to say. He, yeah. he he owned it. He said, "Listen, we got to be better. We, we the whole thing, top to bottom, we got to be better." And so he owned the loss. It's not like he didn't own the loss. It's not like, you know, again, B- Baker. The interesting thing about Baker Mayfield to me, and I think we had some of that with PK Subban here, mm-hmm. is that when you get so much attention, people get jealous. And whether you're good or not, whether you're talking trash or not, whether they respect you or not, in general, if you get a lot of attention, people don't like that. It, it, that are your peers, right? P.K. Subban because was always... Because they feel you haven't earned it right. yet. So P.K. Subban gets all this attention, and then he's voted on as like the most overrated player in the league. Well, a lot of that stems from personal jealousy, right? Like It's because he's... It's like Jim Harbaugh. He's overcovered, mm-hmm. and when you're overcovered and overexposed, it's easier for people to hate you. Mm-hmm. And so Baker Mayfield... I don't think Baker Mayfield's a bad guy. I don't think he does any bad things. He's not out there you know, a- acting like... like you know, doing all this terrible stuff. Neither is Lawan. Like these guys aren't bad guys. They just they they draw so much attention to themselves that other people who go about their business quietly and maybe mm-hmm. are better and more productive. We just won the game, whatever. They don't get the attention, and then that's that that leads to maybe speaking out about somebody or, or going after somebody a little harder on social media. You know, Willie. I was listening to the midday show yesterday, and Willie said something that <clears throat> that was interesting uh, about Taylor and after Taylor's comments. Um, about, you know, we just need to be better, yada, yada, yada. Um, he said, you know what, it, it's it's cool that you said it, but there are people probably in our locker room when make it about you. 
because people in that locker room are probably saying, dude, we spent the last four games doing all this crap while you yeah. – you chose to put something in your body and you got suspended. So you haven't been here with us. And the first thing you say is, oh, we all need to get get better. It starts from the top. The coaches, yeah, me too, but everybody else. Guys look at that and say, man, no, you hadn't been with us the last four games. So when you start talking about guys need to do better, just point the finger at yourself. Yes, we all do need to get better, but point the finger to yourself because – Honestly, you let us down because you chose to get suspended. You chose to put something in your body and get suspended. So you you were not there for us for four games. So when you start saying everybody needs to get better, worry about yourself for now. And I and, and Willie was right. I mean, the what he said was true, but guys don't want to hear that from a guy that's been suspended for four games and hadn't been available for us. And then the first thing he says is, oh, we need to start to get better from the top to the bottom. I guarantee you, John Robinson and, and Vrabel was like, no, your ass need not, need not to get suspended. <laughs> that's first and foremost. Don't. Yeah, we all need to get better, but point the finger at yourself first. 615-737-1025, if you want to jump in on the conversation, do you think his act is running thin uh, or wearing thin, and not just with Vrabel or a guy like John Robinson, but within that locker room. Because you mentioned, you know, no, 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 don't, don't lump us all in here. You weren't here for four games. Do you think the whole thing with ta- everything that is Taylor Lewan? Do you think some people in that locker room are like, I've had enough, or is he just one quote one of the boys? Because that's the that's the the persona he gives off, and I, fans on Twitter, odds, oh, you know, no bad days. It's all for the boys, you know, Natty Lights, and this whole the whole the whole facade. I, I, think it and, and listen winning cures all ills and we know that i think it does start and guys will never say anything i think it does start to wear thin uh with who like a guy like casey or with guys just the the leaders in that locker room guys, the guys that are his equal as far yeah, as accomplishment that guys, are more quiet yeah, and then guys just throughout the locker room they're like you know eventually it's like dude man just we don't need that extra attention just play man you're a good player you know, you're one of the leaders. We don't need all this other these other antics, man. Just go out there and 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 play. And it does it does wear thin on players. Again, they will never say anything publicly because you're not supposed to. Well, and you know it covers it all up. Winning. That's what I said. And yeah, winning. Winning and, and cures and all of I, that. I don't care who you tweet on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday if you played well and you won. Yeah, it's, it's not a story to me. Like it, it's not a story if you tweet some videos about you, hey, you took a shot at a player at the Bills. Good. Let's get some rivalries going in the NFL. I, I like that. You know, I think Richard Sherman lied about something, but I think it's fun that that Joe, you know Nick Bosa has taken a shot at Baker Mayfield. It's it's fun that we're starting to see some rivalries develop amongst the players and that they're not all best friends again, like mm-hmm. it kind of used to be, which is fun to watch the sport in my opinion I, I want the bears and packers to hate each other i want the jags and titans to hate each other like it's it's fun that way i think it makes more for more fun football um but again you you cannot again to me it just looks really stupid if you're going after a guy who just beat you like that's what just does it that's what falls to me on deaf ears like if you're going to attack somebody on twitter because like do it after a win like do it because you dominated and because you won not because I mean, they roasted you. You have no, like, you got nothing to say, man. You got to just take the loss and move on, and and hopefully you beat Denver the next week. Coming up next, the return slash debut of one Tennessee Titan, but right now the return of Derek Mason. Yes, and man, I've been telling you this um, for over a year now um, about my good friends over at Cool Springs MD. 
over the years, more men have um, started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and imbalances. Dr. Jeffrey Lodge and his wife, Daphne, along with that experienced staff, give men the treatment required to improve their quality of life. Cool Springs MD services have already helped many men of Brentwood, Nashville, Franklin, and the surrounding areas in Tennessee with improving their immune system. Because men, we know when we get sick, we act like big babies and we think the world has ended, okay? Energy levels, when our energies are low, man, everyone feel it, okay? We can't do the things that we used to do or normally do with the kids. We can't go outside and throw the football or the baseball or shoot the hockey puck, you know, with the, with the little ones, man. So we got to get our energy levels up. And then, you know, mama needs our energy levels up as well. When I say mama, I mean your wife, okay, not your actual mom. Cognitive functions and more. They are there. <laughs> exactly. They are there to connect you with your medical with the medical care you require to have a healthy and enriched life. There's no better time now to achieve a healthier lifestyle. What are you waiting on, man? Give Cool Springs MD a call. Make that appointment today, right now. Pull out your smartphones, get a pen or pencil, and write this down, all right? 615-486-3458. 615-486-3458. Or visit the website, CoolSpringsMD.com. All right, welcome back in the Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, the game. D-Mace likes his song. play, man. I ain't Who is gonna hurt nobody. Kid and play. Who? I ain't got her kid and play. Kid and play. Okay. God. You never heard of kid and play? No. Even I know that. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're lying. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. I, I kind of think Derek. Yeah, I don't believe. I don't believe Nick has never yeah. heard of kid and play. Yeah, you have. Hush your mouth, Nick. Uh, that, that's clearly a joke. Yeah, House party. Is. Kid and play. He's trolling everybody. Stop I think it. he is. Him and his <laughs> swim trunks. So, uh, Jeffrey Simmons is uh, in the news. Uh, it looks like next week Jeffrey Simmons will return to practice, uh, possibly eyeing Week 7 against the Chargers. What should be a realistic expectation for Titans fans when he does make his debut? Yeah, so um, he's on the NFI list, the non-football injury list. He can come off after Week 6 and practice. The Titans do have to make a roster move if they bring him onto that active roster. Of course, they can activate him. Um, it, it, you know, listen. There's a chance he plays in week seven. That that feels so early. Um, so I will believe it when I see it. But whenever that moment is, whatever the game is that he debuts and becomes a, a, a rotational piece at first, that's what I think he is. He, he is a you know ten to fifteen snaps a, a game guy for the first couple of weeks until he grows and sort of rounds into form and develops into a more steady, more confident more dependable piece uh but either way it's a huge get if we assumed you know I, listen i thought he'd be back december december 1st was always the date i thought he could come back just as a sort of an arbitrary all right last month and a half of the season or whatever you know derek you had thought there was chances that he didn't come back at all which mm-hmm. is a very popular sentiment yeah, um, i just wanted him to come back fully healthy, healthy right. and ready to go and, yeah and so apparently he's ahead of schedule and um you know that 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 if he were to play in week 7 against the Chargers that would give him two games prior to the deadline so i don't know if that affects the way john robinson views his roster mm-hmm. in some way shape or form so you sort of think about the ripple effect right it 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 adds depth to the rotation daquan jones is having having a pretty decent season so far mm-hmm. um we know the Harold landry and cam wake have been good on the outside you know they're going to have to make a roster move so i i don't know i just think he's a he, he's a he's a rotational piece in situational spots for about 15 snaps a game, and then it grows every week from there as you 
become more, you know, you're, you trust him more to handle more things. Um, but he is a rookie and he is going through an injury. So there's got to be a learning curve there. Yeah, it does. But I guess it all depends on, you know, the, the other guys, you know, on the front. You mentioned uh, Daquan Jones, uh, what he's been doing. Um, you know, obviously you got Jarrell Casey in there. Um, you know, those guys, because we don't see how, you know, the these guys impact the um, – the game, whether it be from a – because what do we always look at? Well, how many sacks does he have? You know, is he getting to the quarterback? And a lot of times it's not about just getting to the quarterback. And I think Dean Pease even said that when he, on our show one day. It's not about always getting to the quarterback. It's about what are you doing to impact the other guys around you so they can then get to the quarterback. And I think these guys up front, um, you know, Daquan, Jarrell, some of the other guys – they're doing exactly, and they probably can do more, but this is a good defense. They're doing exactly what they need to do. They're not getting the sacks from the inside, but they are, you know, doing some things in the run game and everything else. Hey, Daquan had one this weekend. I think he yeah. had a sack this yeah. weekend. And then now that you add Jeffrey Simmons to the mix, Oof. I mean, you know, you want to slow play it with him, um, but if he's ahead of schedule and, you know, you put him on the field and he starts to immediately impact the game, because to me, he's sort of that, uh, you know, that guy that you can play across the offensive line. I mean, defensive line. I wish it was the offensive line, but the defensive line. He's sort of like a JJ Wattish type of player. Not to say he's JJ Watt, but you could put him on the outside. You could put him in the inside. He could push the pocket. He can get to the quarterback from the outside, and that only helps. Guys like Jarrell Casey and, and Daquan Jones and then Harold Landry and Wake, that you can take one guy and you can put him in multiple spaces. But he has to be able to show that, one, he can absorb what is being taught, and I'm pretty sure he can. But then, two, and most most importantly, coming off an injury, he has to show that the workload is not too much on his body. And they're going to slow play this yeah. with them. And then hopefully after the after – the, um, after the um, break, the bye week, then he's back full-fledged and ready to go. Yeah, week 11's the bye. Then they have six games down the stretch from Thanksgiving until the end of the season, four division games. And really in December, you have three straight games where you have Deshaun Watson twice and then probably Drew Brees, assuming he comes back healthy. I think best-case scenario, he's an impact player, he's fresh, and he's causing havoc the final three weeks of the season when you're still probably at least mathematically alive for a wild-card or division. Yeah, and that's what you want. Um, I think when when he got drafted, I think all three of us, you know, we were a consensus in saying this guy can be a game changer for the Tennessee Titans. Um, he can be that one guy that they've been missing for a very long time. I mean, Al- guy, Albert Hainsworth level, yeah, type. Albert Hainsworth type, a Javon Curse pre, pre, type pre-contract. guy, yeah. Um, <laughs> A guy that can come in and just dominate. Not to say that Jarrell Casey hadn't been dominating. He had those years where he was a dominating force, but he was sort of un- low-key and an under-the-radar yep. type of guy. Um, but Jeffrey Simmons can be that guy. And and if they can get that from him, especially this season moving forward, yep. 
I mean, it takes a real, it takes a good defense, a top ten defense, and now they're a top five defense. And and frankly, uh, if, Rashawn, if they're not top five already, I mean, they're they're up there, man, in a lot of categories: third uh-huh. down defense, turnovers, you know, points allowed. I mean, they're they're up there, yards per play. I think they're top ten, so they're up there in almost all the major categories. Uh, you know, listen, it makes Rashawn Evans' job easier, it makes Jayon Brown's job easier. It, cle- it cleans up the running lanes for for those linebackers to flow and make plays. It helps their rushing defense. Like you said, it pushes the pocket. It makes Darrell Casey's job easier. It makes everybody's life so much easier when he commands your attention as the focal point of an offensive game plan. That that is what Jeffrey Simmons was drafted to be. Mm -hmm. When an offense has to step into the film room and the very first thing they do is circle Jeffrey Simmons and say, we have to block that man first. And when they have to do that in their offensive game plan, it makes everybody else's job that much easier. This Friday, Jared and the GM will be broadcasting live at the 40th Annual Nashville Oktoberfest, a Nashville tradition since 1980. Not just a beer festival, Oktoberfest has something for everyone, delicious German foods from dozens of restaurants and vendors, world-class beer from local breweries, and a ton of events. For more info or to purchase tickets, visit thenashvilleoktoberfest.com. We'll come back. Crazy story from Knoxville. And I kind of applaud it. We're back after this on Morning Drive. Welcome back in Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. The big finish coming up at 9.45. We know things are very rough these days in Knoxville, Tennessee, with the college football program being in the current state that they are in and the state that they have been in for an extended period now. Uh, Our buddy Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville, uh, one of his colleagues, Tyler Ivins, who does the morning show uh, for WNML, is apparently... Lifelong Vol fan, grew up rooting for UT, and uh, he is so fed up, so disgusted, but so confident that they'll get a win, he has decided that he will remain perched atop of Toyota Knoxville's roof until the Vols actually win a football game. Which is right next to the interstate. So like the interstate runs right past that place. So good luck sleeping outside in Knoxville in October next to an interstate. Sounds awesome. Goodness. Way to go. Do we want to hear from uh, Mr. Ivins himself about explaining all this? Let's go what to the tape. is, in our industry of sports talk radio, sometimes you get passionate. Yeah. You can sometimes walk over the cliff, and <laughs> there are sometimes you can't walk back what you say. I was getting frustrated with negative Tennessee fans who were unrealistically putting expectations on this team at that point in time in the season. So after the Georgia game... I had mentioned a few times, I am so confident that this Tennessee team's about to hit that corner, I'd be willing to put my money where my mouth is. And it also helped that back in the late 80s, there was a national sports talk radio host who went on a billboard when they were having a tough season under Johnny Majors. So you take that story kind of reemerging on top of what's happening locally, and then it kind of manifested between the listeners and my co-hosts and I. And then finally, Toyota Knoxville one day is just like, put your money where your mouth is. And as every man will know, at one point in time, you get put in a corner. It's kind of just like you kind of have to put up or shut up, and this is where we are. Okay. <laughs> so he's on the roof. I, I, so I'd like to know if he's getting paid because it sounds like uh, old Toyota of Knoxville is getting a little publicity out of the deal. So yeah. if he's getting paid to do it, that's a different story altogether. Uh, I, I would like to apologize officially to all of the teams that we cover on this show. I do not care that much about your team to do anything like this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I got kids. Okay? I got I mean, it's it's I great for him because he's drawing attention toward, 
you know, his show. And himself. And himself. Yeah, and We just talked about him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm not getting on top of anything for no sport <laughs> team until they win. I just don't trust it. Also, um, they're a six-and-a-half-point underdog. So exactly. But, I, like, but, I like the confidence. But, uh, but he said the expectations that people put on the Vols were too— No! You should beat Georgia State. You should beat BYU. Those are not a big expectations. Well, I it, don't get it. It also— what it sounds like, and you guys tell me what you heard, what uh-huh. it sounds like he's saying is that he is upset with Vols fans being negative going into the Mississippi State game because he thinks they're going to turn a corner. And I don't know if that's blatant homerism, mm-hmm. if it's just fan optimism. I mean, what corner are we talking here? Yeah. Getting the two or three wins? <laughs> that's Obviously, the, the, the bit here for him is mm-hmm. that they, until they win, right? And so he's so confident that they're going to win. My, my problem is that it's not really that crazy – to sit here and say, yeah, I don't think this team is going to turn a corner against Mississippi State. They're an underdog. Yeah. Now, I happen to think they're going to play well in this game, so I sort of agree with him. Well mm-hmm. and win or yeah. well and cover or I, I what? Think, I think they can win the game. I, I, I think they can. So I, I tend to agree with him, but it's not because I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. It's not because I, I am tired of hearing Tennessee fans be negative. I am trying to be as accurate as possible to the mm-hmm. audience that listens to this show. It's very different than what what it feels like he's doing is saying, you guys are so negative, and I, go Vols, GPO, VFL, we're about to turn a corner, guys. Why don't you believe in this team? Jeremy Pruitt for life is what it feels like. Now I'm just insulting some radio host in Knoxville. So. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel bad about that, because that's actually the channel I started. So <laughs> I actually helped launch that channel in Knoxville. But uh, the, the reality is, you know, the expectation should be, at this point, to have two or three wins and be close to 500 going into this game, not just to the point where we're saying, "Hey, Tennessee played a pretty and there was a that was an inspiring effort." No, like we were, and I said this like two hours ago. You know, you want to see execution. You want to see this team look like they're actually capable of getting aligned properly and executing basics, and then you can turn a corner. Then you can win a game you're not supposed to and start you know stacking wins together. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team looks so inept right now. I mean, they're. And Mississippi State's nothing to write home about. I mean, you mentioned this, you know, two hours ago. You know, they've got their own issues with Joe Moorhead. No, they they got boat raced by Auburn. They made Bo Nix look like a Heisman Trophy winner. Meanwhile, good defenses are making Bo Nix look very, very much like a freshman. I love Bo Nix. It's not trying to knock on him, but they got roasted at home by Auburn. And you know, this team hasn't. They got beat at home by Kansas State. Like this team has not played particularly well. They they look like they have fallen off from Dan Mullen in a very short period of time. And they are they're they're not a top fifty team in America, and they are a f- touchdown favorite in your building. That speaks to where this program is. So I don't understand the whole like I don't like. He, it sounds like he's getting angry at fans for not believing that they're about to t- be good. And it's kind of like, dude, what have they done exactly. to let you believe that they're going to be good all of a sudden? This coming into the season, you thought this team at this point would be three and two. Yeah, 100%. three and two. Yeah. We, we're going to give case Florida, Georgia, yes. Best case scenario, maybe they beat Florida. Maybe, just maybe they beat Florida. But at worst case scenario, three and two. And they're not. So why is he so upset that ball fans and are looking at this team like, listen, you guys have underachieved. What have you given us to feel good about? So, so negative. So Vols fans are negative and in a bad mood. Yeah. Okay. And? <laughs> like, right. That's what's supposed to happen when you're one and four. Yeah. And when you're whatever you are now. Are six, they supposed to be and, happy and cheery and going around? You know, yeah. ball for life. And six, yes, we're the greatest program. Jeremy Pruitt's six and eleven. Like, hey, hey, have you noticed this as well? Like, just kind of the the general climate of sports fans these days. 
is I don't feel like a lot of sports fans have the same vitriol and fire and disgust that they used to have back in the day. Like when whoever you root for in oh, any I, sport, I, I it feels like you know, like you know, like he's just saying in that interview, oh, Vols fans are just so down and so negative, and it's like. I don't know. I feel I, like people always look for a positive. Sometimes there is no positive. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Like, but, what's the positive with Tennessee right now? But no, there's not much. But they I, still have their program. I do think that Tennessee fans, starting with the night Lane Kiffin left, when they were, you know, when they have to have a police escort to get Lane Kiffin from the the facility to his house and and get his family out safely, that that, that is the night that it all turned. Tennessee fans. You know, they they were relevant for that year because Lane Kiffin made them relevant by by kind of pulling a page out of Steve Spurrier's playbook and being, you know, doing all the crazy stuff and talking. They but they were a relevant brand at that point. They have not been basically since then. Even though they were picked to win the East once under Butch Jones and then they failed by losing to South Carolina that year, they largely there, there's. I think Tennessee fans are on the ultra negative side of things. It's it's why Shiano Sunday happened. It's why. You know, it, Tennessee fans have not had a good decade and a half, but they also used to laugh at fans that act the way they're acting now. When, when I was in college, mm-hmm. and it was 2000, 2001 through 2004, we would laugh at, at Alabama fans for acting the way they acted. Mm-hmm. We would laugh at, at fans at Auburn for acting the way they act. We we would laugh at at, at fan bases that, that sort of crossed that line into the fringe element and acted inappropriately. And and now Tennessee alumni are looking at each other going around. Now we're those guys. We're those people now that are acting that way. And in part because of how we've acted. Mm-hmm. And, and and in part because of how decision makers have made poor decisions. And the program has been disappointing. But I, So I don't think people are overly positive. Like You're saying you think people are more positive than they should be? Because um, I think Tennessee fans are more negative than they should Maybe be. the Vols fans are an exception. It just feels like sports fans don't want to hear the negative as much anymore. Like they, they they just move on to something else. I don't know if that's because we like today's millennial has too many young, options. I think young people maybe can't handle criticism. I think it's, I think it's different. It's I think the old guard. I think um, college fans and pro fans are totally different. Um, I think pro college fans they if you're if the program is is kind of going down, um, they probably tend to be a little bit more I don't know if they're a little bit more negative because they saw where their program used to be uh, pro fans tend to because we see it here in, with the Titans it's like you know there's a portion of the fans that you know don't like where this this organization has been the last couple of years and then there are fans that say you know what we love Mariota you know they're doing great and you know they just need a couple more players so I think because because the investment is more in college, yes. The like when they go down, yes. it's like it hit yes. us hard. It really hit us hard. Yeah, I mean Alabama Auburn, the, like there, there's risks of personal violence. Exactly after an Alabama Auburn game, like LSU beats Alabama and Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. this year, like like I'm concerned about people's safety in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> like it's it ain't that way when. You know, other than the Bills fan who decides exactly. to jump off the Shelby Bridge and land on his neck, yeah, something's wrong with him. Outside of that guy, like there's nothing that's you know, NFL fans sort of walk away from their team and, and they, they, upset, they go but home. Then and, they get over yeah, it and they try to find a positive spin on it. It is not the same for most of the SEC and a handful of programs around the country. Ohio State's one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, Florida State's one of them. There's a handful of programs outside of the SEC that acts like SEC fans because SEC fans, let's face it, are the best 
and at the same time the worst fans in college football because they cross that line from mm-hmm. great fan to bad human being much quicker than any mm-hmm. other conference. Again, I think it was a Florida Gator player who had his car impounded and like the guy who who ran the impound lot, this was a safety. I don't think it was Reggie Nelson, but it was a safety uh-huh. in like one of the SEC championship games for Florida who had his car impounded and he, and he broke in to the impound lot to try to get his car back. Uh-huh. And fans were like flooding this guy with, with letters and calls and bothering him. Hey, dude, don't press charges. We need him on Sunday. We need him on Saturday. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, he tried to break in and steal his car back. Exactly. Oh, that's that's, that's illegal. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> and, and people just sort of like gloss over that stuff in college sports. They're, they're so much more willing to just gloss over that stuff in college than I think they are in other sports. But that being said, Chiefs fans still love Tyreek Hill. Bengals fans love Joe Mixon. I mean, it, it's... Fans are willing to overlook a lot if you can produce. Coming up next, we will hit you with the big finish. Stay there. It's Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. We've had a big show. It's a big show. And now it's time for a big finish on Morning Drive. That is correct. It is time for the big finish. We do it each and every day here on Morning Drive at 9.45. And Braden Gall, the big finish is brought to you by... Nashville Soccer Club. That's right, the second place Nashville Soccer Club as they are in second place after their historic... Well, not historic. Their epic victory in the final minutes last night uh, against Lou City, now in second place. Go to NashvilleSC.com and get yourself some inaugural season tickets for... The MLS season starting next season. Only two more games left in the regular season. Now in second place in the table. As Jim Rohn would say, it was great. It was epic. Phenomenal. Hey. Outstanding. First Tennessee Park Magic with with (laughs) Nashville SC. It's a real thing, man. Because I get a lot of vacations. (laughs) I get goals. (laughs) I score on the power play because I'm great. Epic. (laughs) I get apples because I'm epic. Rome. Because I'm Dutchy. Jim, why do you get seven weeks off in the summer? Because I get a lot of vacation, because I take a lot of vacation. I think it's the other way around. I've been doing this a long time. Bill and Sacktown. <laughs> Bring it stronger. God. Let's go to the rewind. And we welcome you into a Wednesday edition of Morning Drive, off and running live here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Another impressive. Hockey victory last night. Predators down the Sharks five to two. Stanley Cup, baby. What a good What's night. Today? What a good night of sports Wednesday. last night. Let's get Wednesday. So we get Stanley Cup, baby. Yeah, we can overreact. Stanley <laughs> Cup. I mean, that Johansson. He's so hot. He's so hot. <laughs> Thought you picked up an apple. <laughs> that Johansson. He's got Hansen. six of them. That Johansson is so hot right now. Turris. It was a tourist sighting yesterday. Yeah, boy. Had he a had good, a breakaway. Had a good three games to start yes. the season. He, he paid what he owed. He paid what he owed. <laughs> God, I still don't know what that means. I don't know. It's you will not hear that today at 2 o'clock. Well, yesterday was good sports in the Nashville area. You got a, you got a baseball game. You going to, series going to game five. You got the Preds winning easily. You got SC picking up a big three points with, the, with some magic there at First Tennessee Park. It, it was it was a good sports night on a Tuesday, man. Multiple, uh, I, multiple screens going? Oh, I had multiple screens going. I didn't leave the office. The, the wife was yelling at me about something. I don't know. From the <laughs> yeah, living room. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. I said, okay, honey. All right. I'll be right out. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm watching the power play. I'm shaving. Roman Yossi on a tear to start the season. Two goals last night. He is playing like one of the best defensemen in the NHL. If you believe that Roman Yossi, as your captain, is the man to take you to the Stanley Cup championship, give him the money. That's it. 
Like, it's not more complicated than that. Okay, maybe nine and a half feels like too much. If you believe Roman Yossi is going to help you get to a Stanley Cup championship, what is the difference? Pay him his money. And if you think he's a Norris Trophy legit contender, that's the going rate. Pay that man his money. I think Frank Reich is more calculated and more even-keeled, mild-mannered, whereas I think Vrabel's a little too intense and overreactionary at times. Frank Reich uses every tool that he has. He uses analytics. He uses every, They are huge on analytics. They use all of that stuff. And I don't know if Mike Vrabel is big on analytics. And a former I, tight ends coach calling plays? Exactly. I don't think he's huge on analytics. You, but you just Frank look at Wright Frank is. Wright, though, on the sideline. He's got the, he's got the glasses on, and he's got the great he, grizzly he, beard, and he's, he's, he's looking like at his play chart. He's like, it looks like he's ordering a bottle of wine at a restaurant. He's like, I'll take the uh, Cabernet. <laughs> no, but he, he, looks, he looks like a mathematics professor at, like, Indiana University ordering a bottle of Cabernet at dinner. He's figuring, he he's, like. It's like he's figuring out all these problems as it's going on. And, and does that make Vrabel a bartender at a, at a bar in Columbus? So high. Yes. <laughs> Dishing out Miller Lights. <laughs> Thirsty Thursdays. We welcome in the head coach right now, Derek Mason of Vanderbilt. If Riley can continue to master what we do, great, man. But if not, then we, there's, there's other options on the table because I think Deuce understands you mean, what we do. He's been in the system. It's just that when you've looked at it and those guys have gone head-to-head, okay, then Riley's done a better job. So, you know, with that, I mean, this is the week where we're getting a chance to get, you know, uh, you know a fair amount of snaps for both, you know, looking at, you know, I mean, exactly where we are. Riley, you know, is the starter. Deuce will probably play, you know, uh, you know fairly early in this ball game, and we'll, and, and we'll take a look at exactly what we have. Little ACDC for you. Little rock and roll train. What is this? Darren Donick and Chase? This should be the halftime show of the Super Bowl. I wouldn't object. Good stuff. No, I want to hear Hips Don't Lie and I'm Real with Ja Rule and J Lo. <laughs> Speaking of putting it on people, Ben uh-huh. Simmons put it on some uh, people last night. No, first we're career not three. We're not talking about this. We are oh, not. Yeah. I, yes, we, we are. are not talking about this. Yes, we are. Ben no Simmons one cares. His first three pointer ever. No, no, it didn't. It's a preseason game. Doesn't count. The it's audacity great. of this guy to say that that doesn't matter and that doesn't Nobody count. Cares. Nobody yet, cares. Yet forty minutes ago, cares. he's sitting here talking about Taj Gibson being a factor for the Knicks. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, are you kidding me? Not on the radio. We welcome in Adam Vingan. Well, overall, I do think the defense is weaker because when you trade P.K. Subban and Dante Fabro graduate to the second pair, if you want to call it that, with Matias Ekholm, you know, the third pair, the third pair gets weaker. So in that regard, the defense has been weakened by the departure of P.K. Subban. But in terms of Dante Fabro specifically, you know, I've seen a continuation of what we saw last year. I really like what I've seen from the pair of Ekholm and Fabro. I think it's a good combination. And certainly the team has great confidence in Don. You know, he earned that spot. You know, he wasn't a, he wasn't a guarantee that he was going to play every game when he got here, but he played well enough to play all 10 games. And now he's showing exactly why the Predators prized him so much. We all got to get up early in the morning, so it's like grab the first thing, throw yeah, it yeah. on, let's no go. Question. No question. Nobody sees us anyway. You wear, right. you wear a sweatsuit every day. Exactly. I basically wear black or gray every day to work. You're in waste management. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick comes back in, and I'm like, yo, bro, what do you got on? <laughs> it's like, oh, got on my swimsuit, man. <laughs> my laundry was it? My clothes were in the laundry, man. So I just grabbed my swimsuit. Either it could have been, you know, put on s- some sweaty shorts from the other day or some clean swimsuits. That's almost so a I direct quote, my, by the way. I threw on my clean swimsuits. Well, do you got on any drawers? Yeah, I got on drawers. Then he started man. to show me. Yeah, yeah you want to see him? Yeah. Like, you want to no, see no, him? No, we don't want to see him. You little skivvy. 
I didn't even notice 97. he had swim trunks on until you guys said it, and then I heard him when he came back into the studio, I heard, shh, 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 shh. And I was like, what the hell is that? And that, was, and that was not me telling you to shh. That was my pants. I'm going, and I did not know that they were swim trunks until Derek said, man, what you got on? Just Damn. give me a moment here to voir dire the witness. <laughs> Jury selection. Do you, do you believe Gambini and Rothenstein should be put away for life? You said Gallo? Oh, no, I, it's Jerry Gallo. <laughs> Gallo. If these oh. boys committed this heinous act, I say you fry them. She'll do. We're going to run it, enough electricity to light up the, Birmingham. Uh, is it the dual suspension pause track on the 1969 Chevy? Which They didn't make that then? It didn't have pause attraction. <laughs> is that what Ms. Mercer Tomei taught us that year? <laughs> that movie? She was so hot when she, she said that. She did. <laughs> the equal slip differential. There we go. There we go. The Buick Skylark didn't come in a metallic mint green. God, it was the Buick Skylark. It's good stuff. Dang. Such a great movie. Yes. Awesome. Holds up, man. I think awesome. um, Marissa Tomei won an Academy Award for that performance. Did she really? I believe she did. Man. I mean, if she didn't, she was pretty damn close. She was a finalist. Kind of like Roman Yossi. Might not win the Norris Trophy, but it'll be a finalist. Pay that man this money. Uh, real quickly. A lot of announcements. A lot of stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with, with, with that. Uh, I was going to say happy birthday to my three-year-old. She turns three today. Happy bur- I birthday. I have a three-year-old, which is really hard to understand. No, I've actually gone through having two of them at the same time. It's I, totally feasible. It's, no, it's, <laughs> it does happen. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, it doesn't make me less... Uh, able you, to understand it. Yet. Why do you think Nick has no hair? So my my mother, <laughs> exactly. That's where it's, that's where mine's going here exactly. in the next two years. Uh, there's no question about that. My my buddy uh, Mitch Light always says he goes uh, he goes I hate it when parents say oh the time they grow up so fast because because then he looks at him and goes no they don't they all grow up at the exact same speed. <laughs> Every single day goes by at the exact same amount of time. I'm like, okay, okay, stop nah. being such an editor, Mitch. Okay. So that, that's, that's Mitch's answer. My answer would be, well, mine aren't growing up fast enough because I'm looking forward to 18 and they get the hell out. <laughs> it's both at the same time. Happy birthday, Marin. I love you. You're three years old today. You think she heard it? Probably not. Okay. She's, I'll tell you right now. She's busy running around the yard somewhere. somebody heard it that's going to tell them. Exactly. You want a prediction? You want a take? When they become 18 and they go off to college, <laughs> I am going to drink so much Tito's that night when they leave. I won't be able to stand or pronounce my own name. <laughs> you do that sometimes. I am going to celebrate. What's, what's that? Why do you, you do have to wait till then? Yeah, you do that sometimes. You anyway, know, you right? could just do that on Fridays if you want. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we got a, uh, a lot world. to do. Uh, 94-9 game two today, 3.30 Braves-Cardinals, followed by uh, Dodgers and Braves. You'll get both of those. Two, two game fives, uh, really good stuff in the National League. I, I love elimination games mm-hmm. in any sport. It's great. Uh, so I'm in on that. And then Smash for Live, of course, coming up tonight, 7 o'clock, down at Brewhouse South. Dan Hamuse, Kyle Turris going to be with us. So uh, check that, that, that out. Al Gill as well. So check that out. Yes. All right, that's it for us here on a Wednesday. Stay tuned. Darren, Donick, and Chase are coming up next. We will be back tomorrow on Predators Game Day as they get set to take on the Washington Capitals. As one man once famously said on Twitter when he signed off from a social media post, I'm just saying, take care. Belly DJ Nashville. I love ya.